Welcome to the Melissa Rx Scripts Podcast, the show that brings you lively conversations with leaders, colleagues, and friends in healthcare, pharmacy, and beyond. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining me for the Melissa Rx Scripts Podcast. I'm Melissa Muir Corrigan, and I'll be your host. This is episode 23 of the Melissa Rx Chris podcast, and thanks for listening. As we reflect on 2020, it's been quite a year. With the global pandemic, racial injustice, natural disaster, so much disruption and change. There also is innovation and acceleration of new ways of doing things. I'm grateful for the frontline healthcare workers, especially pharmacists, student pharmacists, and pharmacy technicians working tirelessly every day. Thank you. And also as we get set for 2021, I'm very excited about the news with the vaccine and so grateful for the pharmacists and student pharmacists that are working so hard on immunizations every day. So now on today's podcast, I'll be talking with Parisa Batanka, known as Risa. We're going to be discussing many things, including her experiences with Alliance Building and championing healthcare delivery optimization through digital health integration. I'll give you a bit of an introduction to Risa and then let her tell you about herself, her career, and her many experiences in life in general. She is Senior Director of Corporate Alliances at the American Pharmacists Association, APHA. She also holds a faculty appointment at the University of California, San Francisco, UCSF, where she facilitates classes in the School of Pharmacy and interprofessional curriculum, so, so important. As a certified tobacco treatment specialist, she volunteers in the UCSF Tobacco Treatment Center. Risa is the founder and chair of DHX Virtual, the first of its kind digital health conference focused on pharmacy. And we're gonna learn more about that today. And also serves as editor of the Digital Health Corner e-newsletter. She also recently completed her elected leadership term for the California Pharmacists Association Board of Trustees. Risa is a thought leader and strategic thinker with decades of experience creating novel healthcare delivery solutions from concept to marketplace. So let's get started. Risa, thank you for being here with me today. Before we get into an expanded discussion of your career experiences, maybe you can talk a little bit about your background, where you grew up, about your family, and some of your early pharmacy experiences. It's a pleasure to be with you, Melissa. I'm excited about our conversation today. I'd be happy to share a bit about uh, where I grew up. I was born in St. Louis, Missouri, and lived there for much of uh, the early years. I did move to Iran uh, for about three and a half years, so first, second, third, and a little bit of fourth grade. I'm really grateful for that opportunity because I was able to get in touch with my culture, learn to speak Farsi, and really feel like throughout my life, right, I've had this, uh, both my American and my Persian side, and uh, it's really kind of informed my perspective and how I've experienced uh, the world around me. And I've just really been blessed with a very supportive, loving family. Someone once told me I won the parent lottery. Oh, that's great. <laughs> Yeah. And uh, I think they, they really nailed it when they said that because, you know, my parents are just so kind and loving and supportive. And, you know, we're three sisters. And so that connection, it just, you know, extends with my sisters and their husbands and kids. And, uh, you know, we've just um, been blessed in that way. We're very close knit. You know, there's this never ending source of joy 
that's a little bit about kind of uh, who I am and my family. So I went to the University of Kansas. Uh, I got my PharmD there. One of the highlights was really uh, my summers uh, that I spent with uh, the Indian Health Service. One summer, I lived on a Navajo Indian reservation in Shiprock, New Mexico, and uh, it was extremely formative. It was just incredible to see how, you know, especially when you're in an underserved area, it seems that all the different healthcare providers really have opportunity to work to the top of their education and training. And it was very kind of interprofessional, team-based approach to care. So uh, that was pretty incredible. And that summer, I actually met Dick Church and Steve Foster, and so really uh, some inspirational leaders. The second summer, I ended up being uh, Dr. Church's co-step uh, out in Rockville, Maryland, and it was when he was chief of Indian Health Service and assistant surgeon general. And so that was really an incredible opportunity to then see how the kind of the mechanics of the headquarters and how they were the wind beneath the wings of the pharmacists. So I got to see kind of what was happening on the front lines and then in the headquarters office. After graduating from KU, I went on to do residency at UCSF, University of California, San Francisco, and uh, pharmacy practice residency. And then I went on to uh, Stanford to do an administrative residency. And uh, Sarah White was my residency program director, so I couldn't have been in better hands. Wow, that's great. I so enjoyed learning more about your family and that multicultural experience you had in your childhood, you know, living in Iran and honoring the traditions of your family on a broader context. I think that'll be so interesting for our listeners to learn more about. And you and I met at the American Pharmacists Association. It was called American Pharmaceutical Association back then. But I think years ago when you came out for, I want to say a internship rotation, or maybe it was some of those site visits that you had done. But you know, I remember meeting you and seeing the spark of leadership, and I'm grateful for the time that we've spent together over the years and, you know, that we recently reconnected in the last few years at, at the APHA annual meeting, and then we'll talk a little bit more about, you know, your work in California. So your story, I think, is really interesting and in that you were able to work with Sarah. We had Sarah on the podcast just a few episodes ago, and her influence and impact on leaders in healthcare and in the profession of pharmacy is far and wide. So, you know, this year, it's a 2020, I think, is going to be described as a, an unusual year. It's a year of change and transitions. So what are some practices or routines that you've invited into your life this year that are kind of helping you navigate this time? Well, I think it all, it's all about how I start my mornings, uh -huh. uh, the mornings where I begin with a guided meditation using the Daily Calm app, you know, and do some yoga stretches, have some hot water. Those are kind of my favorite types of mornings. If I can get in an early morning walk as well, that's the bonus. It's uh, much better than those mornings where the alarm goes off and I'm reading email on my cell phone before I even get my day going, you know, then I'm kind of in reactive mode all day. I think uh, the, having that quiet time in the morning has been uh, really important. Another thing I do, Melissa, is and this has been on my phone for years, where at noon, I get this little pop-up message, and uh, it's a roomy quote that says, let yourself be drawn by the stronger pull of that which you truly love. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Mm, yeah, it's, it's wonderful, because you can get so busy and caught up in the workday and worried about this and that, and then, you know, suddenly that pop up and I feel, you know, and I read that quote and I think, okay, you know, and it helps me to just kind of regain focus and remember why I'm doing this and what I'm grateful for in my life. Yeah. And I appreciate that you shared your practices and focus on the morning routine. Cause I think you're, you're spot on where if we 
you know, just jump into email or work or our phones and don't take that time to pause and take a breath. And I think one small silver lining of 2020 has been the opportunity to pause a little bit because, you know, we're not physically going to as many places or any places or on a plane or those kind of things. But also your comment about nature. I have found too that the ability to get outside and do walks. I walked yesterday. It was really, it was colder here, but it was so refreshing. We, I walked our new puppy and you know, it's like it, you have to make the time to do it, but I don't think anyone ever regrets after they get outside and do something, a walk or a run or, or whatever. It's always a positive thing. So that's really cool. I appreciate that you shared that. Yeah, for sure. There, there is something amazing about being in nature. I mean, that's our source, right? That's where I think because we're all we're looking at screens and everything's just kind of artificial and indoors and all of this, right? And then going outside, it's like you when you start to hear the birds chirping, right? The leaves rustling in the you know rustling in the in the wind and and just I don't know. There's just so much beauty and it just puts life in perspective. I don't know why I feel like sharing this another quote is just occurring to me in the moment, but Eckhart Tolle says something about when I see the stillness of the, of the trees, I myself become still. Oh, yeah. No, I, I, I like that. I like that. During these turbulent times, looking to the past or history often provides insights for hope in the present and the future. Risa, let's talk about mentors or leaders in pharmacy that made a difference in your life. Sounds good. There have been many. <laughs> really, if I look at my professional life, my first mentor was actually one of my peers, Kim Kruger. <laughs> oh, I love Kim. I know, I know. Uh, you know, most I probably met you through Kim because, uh, you know, he, he knew and knows everyone, right? <laughs> Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. He uh, had been national president of APHA ASP. Um, and I remember the day that changed everything. We were working side by side at KU Medical Center, uh, where Harold Godwin and Sarah White were at the helm, uh, two other important mentors of mine. And uh, Kem asked a simple question. He said, are you going to New Orleans? Um, so just to give you kind of a framework of what was going at that point in my life, I wasn't involved in professional associations, I didn't know about conferences, but I did love traveling. <laughs> so he could not have posed a better question. You know, if he said something like, oh, are you going to the APHA ASB mid-year regional meeting, which I knew nothing about, that conversation probably would have just ended with me saying no. <laughs> But he said, you know, are you going to New Orleans? So he piqued my interest. And uh, long story short, I went to the conference and it changed everything. It's where I learned that uh, the bachelor's degree would be obsolete and that PharmD would be the sole degree. And uh, it's where I learned, you know, through Chem about Indian Health Service and co-step internships and about postgraduate residency training. And uh, I pursued all of these and they profoundly changed my path. So I mentioned, you know, my time in Indian Health Service, it was there that spending a summer out there and uh, met Steve Foster, 
right? Yeah. And he invited me to go to attend the patient counseling educational program that they have for an entire week for all their new hires, or at least they had that at that time. And gosh, was that a formative experience, right? Like really understanding it's not just what care you provide, it's how you provide the care. And, uh, you know, so to have been exposed there. And then when I was at that event, uh, can you believe it? You know, the Dr. Church, Dick Church was there, you know, and so got to know him a bit. And uh, before the week was out, he had said to me, you know, Risa, I'd really love for you to be my co-step next summer uh, at our headquarters office. You see how like one opportunity yes. and the other, meeting one person, then you meet this other person. And, ah, oh, you know, the lessons I learned that summer from, from Dr. Church was just incredible. And what an honor to be chosen to do residency at UCSF. You know, uh, Mary Hancota Kimball was incredibly inspiring and Joe Guglielmo, where I really learned how, really what it meant to be, have a pharmacist on the care team. Rounds didn't start till I was there, you know, yeah. and, uh, you know, they, the, the bacterial cultures would come back and, uh, you know, they want, they look to me to pick, you know, which is the antibiotic and to dose it properly. And, you know, it was true team-based care and it was happening back then, you know, and, and then what's amazing too is, you know, in my time at KU, Harold Godwin was really important. I, I remember going into his office one day and he, he likes to tell this story as well. And, and I said, you know, I'm trying to decide, I was at this APHA meeting and I'm learning all this about, you know, PharmD and, and that, uh, you know, soon uh, the bachelor's degree will be obsolete. And so I'm thinking, oh, I really should track into the PharmD program, but I have this dream of going and spending a year in Spain. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Try to decide, you know, which direction do I go? And Harold said, Risa, Spain will always be there. <laughs> oh, I like that. That was the next thing you knew. Yeah, I, I went that path of tracking into PharmD. And, and then what else in the talk about a small world, because here, you know, back at KU, of course, we had Harold Godwin and Sarah White at the helm. And, and you know, we all benefited from their amazing leadership and sage guidance. And, and then to think that I, it wasn't in KU that I worked under, you know, Sarah's mentorship. But then now, fast forward a couple years later, I'm in California. And then she brings me on to be her resident you know, because she's now director of pharmacy at Stanford. And so I got to do the administrative residency with Sarah there. And uh, I cannot say enough about what I learned in that year with Sarah and how to this day I draw from uh, that knowledge and experience. I mean, she opened my eyes to reading seven habits from highly effective, you know, for highly effective people, right? And so this whole genre of books that help on management and leadership. You know, even before there were TED Talks and podcasts and all of that, she was giving me these insight tape cassettes that I'd play in my car <laughs> that were really grounding and uh, inspiring and learned a tremendous amount uh, from her and, and that experience. And, and really, just if you kind of look at my experiences in Indian Health Service and UCSF and Stanford, you know what it did for me, Melissa, was right in those formative years, right, where I was learning what it means to be a pharmacist, I was having the opportunity to work with pharmacists who were working to the top of their education and training, that were integrated into care teams, that were providing patient-centered care, you see? Yes. So the lens that I have, I entered the profession, right, and, and that I've carried with me has always been that, well, of course, this is what pharmacists do. 
because this is what, you know, this is where, where I began, right? So through my career, you know, from time to time, folks have said, oh, you know, you're, you're a visionary or, you know, or you believe so strongly that these things are possible in other settings and everything. And it was always because, not because uh, it wasn't like this esoteric thing that I was trying to get my head around. I had seen it, right? And yeah, you like, had lived it, right? I'd lived it, right? Yeah. And so I'll say that when I uh, was considering, okay, what will I do? post-double residency, right? Where will I land? And I really felt that, wait a second, why is it that we're waiting till people are really sick before they benefit from pharmacists on the care team? What if we were to really insert ourselves earlier on and I started looking at community-based pharmacy and how could we be redesign kind of how workflow and, and, and just kind of design of that practice model so that pharmacists could be involved in more health promotion, disease prevention, you know, things I learned in Indian Health Service, right? And how could we help to identify, resolve issues and, and really be more engaged in that at that point? So that's why, you know, right after um, residency, I found that there was an opportunity to work on faculty at Drake University and be in a shared faculty appointment uh, with the American drug stores, Osco Drug in Chicago. And, uh, and it kind of like life took me there. And, and I was able to, they said, look, we're teaching pie in the sky in the classroom. But when students go on rotation, that's not necessarily what they're seeing. And so, you know, they kind of charged me with creating that model for the students to come into and then be able to emulate upon graduation. And so again, I was able to take all of those things that I had learned and just really apply it to this new setting. Well, I think your reflections are so, so important. And I, there were a couple of themes that I took away as I was listening to you and I'm getting excited with your passion, just you know, hearing more about it. But I think one is seizing the opportunities that you saw when you were you know, part of the Indian Health Service and the opportunity to be a co-step with Dick Church and to just learn from him and to understand that they were doing something different and how could you get your arms around that? And then I also, I think, seizing the learnings from Sarah White, you know, in your residency and, you know, what's fascinating, and we've talked about Sarah on a couple other podcasts and I mentioned had her on, she continues to mentor and develop. And with ASHP, she leads the Women in Pharmacy Leadership Initiative and is constantly sending out, you know, journal club kind of articles or reflections and, you know, trying to encourage people to do these things. So I think a takeaway for our listeners is, you know, what you just described is you kind of put yourself in these situations. And sometimes people are like, do I have the time to do it? Do I want to try it? But I think your examples are so good. And then that down the road, you didn't have the fear necessarily of, um, or it couldn't be done because you'd seen it being done. And, you know, what I think is kind of fun is that's a really nice bridge for us to talk about your more recent experience in technology and technology and healthcare. And in 2020, we know that technology and healthcare are converging with innovation and transforming patient care. So tell me more about your envisioning and launching DHX, and I was so proud to be a part of um, DHX Virtual in 2020. And I know this year you decided to expand its reach to include perspectives from across the healthcare ecosystem. Thanks for asking. And yes, it was amazing to have you be part of it this year, Melissa. Thank you. Many thanks to you and Nancy Alvarez for your contribution. Just, I think, really building on this idea that for many years now, I've been, you know, 
part of a whole cohort of folks who are looking to continue to advance and, and augment the care we provide um, as pharmacists. And gosh, it was something around like 2012, I was at a PQA meeting and I happened to be sitting beside Dr. Daniel Kraft. And uh, wow. I, yeah, I, at that point, I didn't know who he was. He started chatting. It was over the lunch hour. And he was he asked me what I thought about 3D printing medication and uh, what I thought about a super pill to support, you know, fostering folks taking their medication and getting better outcomes. And I thought, wow, this person's really visionary, futuristic. Like, I don't even think I knew what 3D printing was at that time, let alone, you know, uh, like 3D printing medication. And then I think it was right around the dessert hour where the CEO went to the podium and announced our keynote speaker. And suddenly this person I'd been speaking to all along rose to his feet, took center stage, and we were spellbound. <laughs> I love it. I know, I know. You just never know who you're going to meet, right? Right. And, uh, so he, you know, he's a physician, a visionary futurist, inventor, you know, Harvard, Stanford trained. So he's just this brilliant luminary. And he was like sharing all these amazing things that will happen once we started integrating these technologies. And so I think that was the spark for me that really got me interested in this area. And then fast forward to an ASHP meeting in 2018 and uh, Tim Onks, a professor in Massachusetts, a school of pharmacy there, he was speaking about all these new uh, technologies that are used for adherence. And really his message was, you know, we really haven't been able to move the mark on adherence through these years with human touch alone. And uh, early look at some of these technologies, uh, technologies alone are not really moving the mark, but it's really gonna be uh, the human touch augmented by these technologies. So I beelined it to him after the swarm of people were done chatting with him. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I know that I know that experience well being at these national meetings. <laughs> exactly. And and I said, I want to be best friends. <laughs> And so he and I sat for two hours and strategized. You know, as a result of, of that, uh, I've done quite a few things to champion digital health integration in pharmacy because I really am confident that this is going to be a type of thing that's really going to transform what's possible. So among the things I felt is that as I started to travel around the country and even around the globe, and I would talk with some of our top thought leaders in pharmacy, it seemed like uh, digital health, digital therapeutics, digital medicine, you know, these wearables, apps, how this all integrates. Some of this was kind of a blind spot. And I realized, wait a second, we really need to increase awareness among our frontline folks and those in leadership roles, because this can be an incredible opportunity if we're part of it right at the beginning. So I became founder and chair of DHX, the first of its kind digital health conference for pharmacists. And we convened uh, last year in October near Disneyland. <laughs> and uh, super grateful to the California Pharmacists Association. It's through my volunteer leadership role with CPHA that I've had the opportunity to hold this conference. So grateful to them for this opportunity. And yeah, so what we did was brought uh, Daniel Kraft. It was one of our keynotes. <laughs> oh, so it all, it all comes, comes full circle, right? It really did. I tend to dream big. And so when I thought, okay, here I am, I'm going to be putting a digital health conference together. I thought, okay, so who was my mentor there? Who was the, you know, who could be the most amazing? I thought, okay, so I, found, I connected with them on LinkedIn and then 
started messaging with him. And anyway, long story short, he agreed uh, to be one of our keynotes and as did Tim Onks and a whole host of other folks. And it was really touching was uh, somebody came up to me afterwards and they said, Risa, this was eye-opening, career changing. This wasn't just a conference. This was the beginning of a movement. And so I thought, oh, wow, we've... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this, this has been meaningful. So, uh, and they said, you know, we don't, we want this conference again in 2020, but we don't want, don't want to wait a whole year to continue to learn. And so I talked with CPHA and we decided to start uh, a digital health corner. So, oh, cool. Uh, Mm, yeah, yeah. So I'm the editor of that and I work with different folks and they write uh, articles and we kind of, uh, we put those out each month uh, to incrementally increase folks' knowledge about the digital health ecosystem. Then fast forward to this year, you know, I wondered, would we have the conference, right? As many people did. <laughs> yes, yes. Because this year for conferences, um, things definitely look different. For sure, for sure. But the thing about me is that I feel like my whole career has been about going from concept to marketplace, uh, to take on challenges, right? It's, it's almost like that's what excites me. You know, to to if something hasn't been done, that's even more interesting. I want to see, okay, how can we make this happen? So the idea of uh, creating a virtual conference was, I thought, wow, this sounds exciting. I bet there's quite a bit we can do. So it really, uh, it ended up being kind of amazing what we were capable of. So once we decided, okay, we're new to this, DHX virtual 2020, I thought, you know, one thing that I have learned is that as I would go, right, so I started investing myself in this space last year, Melissa, right? So I started to go to all kinds of health and technology conferences. And the one common thing I noticed as I went to all of these different conferences is that the entire healthcare ecosystem was present, right? physicians and pharmacists and payers and people from industry and, you know, just the whole spectrum, technology companies, all of that. And that I'd be one of maybe, you know, two or three pharmacists. <laughs> so one, pharmacy wasn't there. And two, it wasn't just one singular group talking to each other. They had the whole ecosystem there. So as I was thinking of DHX this year, I thought this is really important. And pharmacy Sometimes we just keep convening amongst ourselves and keep talking to ourselves and singing our own praises. And I don't know how much we can do in terms of creating change if we're just in our own lane, right? I said, okay, not only are we going to have an interprofessional group on our virtual stage, we're also going to invite the whole healthcare ecosystem to join us. So I think that was like a key difference uh, from last year to this year. And so delighted to share that we were able to accomplish that. We had, uh, you know, folks from all different areas of healthcare participating. Even though it's, it was a state association offering the program, we had 27 states and four countries represented. Yeah, and I would say not only represented, Risa, but very engaged. You know, I was so, so proud to be a speaker with Nancy Alvarez on a mentoring and well-being and leadership session, but the programming was so solid that you had invited all of us speakers to participate on the three days. And many of us did for all three days. I just found that I learned so much new things from several of those people that you talked about. And then I think a good reflection is that if we're talking about disruption or innovation or kind of blazing a new trail, it will be different people. You know, it's not going to be necessarily. So this idea of pharmacists being broader and looking at the whole healthcare ecosystem and that it may even be people around the table that didn't necessarily even have a healthcare background, but had more of a technology background, a disruption background, an innovation background. So, you know, I found that very refreshing. And I think it's like a, a thread that I see as you're talking with me this afternoon is 
how these pieces come together. You know, you sat by Daniel, you just got to know him. You, you probably didn't know he was the keynote speaker, as you kind of described, but you had a connection and you were interested in, you know, his area of focus and then stayed connected. And then when there was an opportunity down the road for you to build and, you know, work with CPHA on this conference and to, you know, to launch it and to really put your vision behind it, you know, you drew upon some of these relationships and connections that you had. So I think that's just a beautiful example. Another reflection that I've had, and you and I have kind of talked about this, is the DHX virtual, which happened in October of 2020, was not just a one and done. So you've mentioned this digital health newsletter, but I know there's many other things that have happened. And, you know, I'll speak personally that I was able to reconnect with Digital Therapeutic Alliance's Executive Director, Megan Coder, who I've known for many years, but we reconnected through this process. And then I had her on the podcast a few weeks ago. And then Nancy and I have, you know, worked together and love that and have continued our discussions related to mentoring and well-being. And there was a story in Pharmacy Times picked up, and I know you had one. So tell me a little bit more about like what else is happening kind of post the conference and what do you see happening as we look at 2021? What's next? Yeah, thanks for asking. I think that's what's really been really heartwarming is to see that it really wasn't just, as you said, a one and done conference, but it was more of a summit or a large scale stakeholder meeting where individuals and institutions have been activated for next steps. And to kind of explain why first, why I think that's happened, and then I'll give some examples of specifics there. But I think the why goes to kind of what we did here. Uh, In the three days, what occurred to me is this. Innovation often comes from fresh eyes looking on something, right? Yep. In pharmacy, for decades now, I'll keep with that theme of community practice where I've been working and we've been trying to evolve that setting. We keep doing incremental changes within that same four walls, right? That's because we're looking at it from the lens of pharmacy and how we've always done things. And we're trying to, within that framework, right, try to make improvements. Well, today we know that there are entities who are reimagining community pharmacy. And often they are not pharmacists who are doing that. And the way they're able to do that is because they're looking at it with you know, beginner's mind, yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah. right? And so I'm a firm believer in beginner's mind, you know, the expert's mind's closed, right? Beginner's mind is open. And so they look, and so some things that are just, that kind of don't really make sense. Why are we doing those extra step or why are we waiting till there's an issue? And then we have to go back and fix, you know, what is all of that? They look at it and they say, wait, there's a, there's a much more direct path here. So I think what's happening is that pharmacy is being reinvented uh, with or without us. And I think that also because in a number of instances, we our potential has been a bit muted just because of the economics of how we're paid for services and how we're staffed and all of those kinds of things. So I think that a lot of folks that are innovating in our space, they may not even be aware of pharmacists' potential. So my idea was let's bring pharmacy luminaries together and digital health technology innovators together and have them both in the same conference, right, on this stage, speaking and hearing from each other. So I thought, wow, what this will do is now technology folks will get a better sense of, oh my gosh, I just heard Sandra Leal and Randy McDonough speak. Wow. <laughs> yeah, like like look at the poss- look at the possibilities. Like or or even look at what's already happening. 
Exactly. So we've been doing, pharmacy has been doing amazing things for decades, but I don't think that like the, the public at large may not, you know, we're kind of this best kept secret. So for them to see that, and so as they're innovating, they can think of, oh, ho, ho, there's more here. Let's see how we can integrate pharmacists in this way. Likewise, we've got, you know, these amazing pharmacy leaders, and I want them to be seeing, guess what? Uh, you know, it may be too narrow just to say that we are the medication experts because when it comes to treatment, it's going beyond you know, drug and uh, biologic, we now have software-based treatments, you know, digital therapeutics and uh, virtual reality, VR, AR, all of these are emerging as ways for treatment, right? So it's much more broad. So maybe we're more like the therapeutic experts, you know, where we're, I see a day where pharmacists are going to, you know, you see all of this prescription delivery, right? So, and it's a better user experience. So what will happen in those pharmacies? I mean, it's an opportunity for people to come and pharmacists can really help to identify opportunities to match patients with medication plus digital companion and be engaged in remote monitoring. Because now remember we were talking about how the community pharmacy can be data poor environment, but now with people with uh, kind of this quantified self, people are wearing, you know, there's wearables and apps and all of this information, these health signals are being recorded on in their app and on these remote monitoring platforms. They see that there could be a role where pharmacists are tracking that data, utilizing it in to augment their ability to do it, like a, a nice a comprehensive medication management review and all of that, and, and to connect back with patients and help them in self-management of their care. So I went a bit granular there just then, but I guess what I was trying to say was, the I, I think that uh, what probably touched folks was that they were hearing from pharmacy luminaries and digital health luminaries, right, coming together and I think learning together. And also we set the, up the conference where it wasn't one of those conferences where you sit back and you're just hearing one person after another, right, presenting and showing slides. We really made it interactive. So of course there were um, keynote presentations and panel discussions, uh, but we also had the opportunity where maybe you hear from three speakers and then you could decide which topic was most interesting to you. And then we had a breakout group where you could go go into that virtual room, hop on the stage and dialogue with that presenter and Q&A. Or if you didn't want to hop on, you know, with your camera, you could, you know, direct message. So we really got to hear the audience's perspective, the participants' views. Uh, on day one, we really did something I call community building. Here we have individuals from 27 states, four countries, all, you know, in, in the comfort of their home, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, right? And I thought to myself, how do we bring all these folks together? And so that first day, rather than jumping right into presentations, it was a day of networking and discovery, right? So, uh, which you were involved in, right? With that pharmacist paving new paths. Yes. And, um, and, and then they got to go in the virtual exhibit hall. And, and then there was this networking feature and where you could do one-on-one -on -one calls, video calls with folks. And we had 150 people do one-on-one -on -one video chats the first day. So uh, they definitely felt like they were part of a community. Yeah, I think the planning that you spent in that of setting the stage and also when you mentioned how you like challenges, I want to give kudos to you for thinking about, okay, we are in a different environment, it's virtual, but how are we not just putting people sitting, you know, in front of watching a PowerPoint? And I felt that that engagement on day one then made you more comfortable, I think, for day two and day three, like you were excited, like, okay, what's coming next? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you'd made friends, right? Because you'd connect exactly. with other people on the virtual stage or in the chat and all of that. And and the idea about pharmacists paving new paths. Okay, so what occurred to me is that again, if we go right into uh, you know the categories of digital health technologies and all the nuts and bolts and all of this, you know, people may think, oh, okay, that's something in the future, or that's not necessarily happening today, or maybe that's other people, not necessarily pharmacists. So what I wanted to show on day one or have them experience is there are pharmacists today working for digital health companies as domain experts helping in the design of digital health products. That's tremendous, right? Yeah. There today are pharmacists engaged in applying pharmacogenomics, right? We had a couple of folks from Mayo Clinic. They are transforming people's lives, right? Improving health by applying pharmacogenetics on a daily basis. We had pharmacists who are involved in applying data science, data analytics, right? In terms of health resources and things like that. And I also, in anything, I think it's really important to look at the total person. And so that's why I was so grateful to you and Nancy Alvarez, right, for talking about leadership and mentoring and well-being, right? Um, I think that really touched a lot of people. Well, I think your passion today, I mean, you've got me all revved up again. And I love that you've done the um, newsletter, the monthly newsletter. Maybe I could get a link from you after and we can link that in our show notes because you know our, our listeners may be interested in more because I think you've really generated interest. And I, the last thing that you said is that things are happening today, that it's not just futuristic because sometimes on these concepts, people are like, okay, that's nice, but you know, someone else out there is doing that or that's not going to happen. You know, for five to 10 years. So that the, the real world examples, I think, are, were very valuable. Mm, for sure. And, you know, like the pharmacists as domain experts, what, I, what occurs to me is this, is that as, you know, all these new technologies are coming out, right? If pharmacists can be part of the design, right, then we will be naturally thought of in terms of how they're implemented and, and utilized in the marketplace, right? Yeah. And so, again, we don't want to be behind this. We want to be right at the front. We want to be at the table. And I think when these other companies, companies that are developing these technologies, when they have a better understanding of what our potential is, what we're capable of, they'll be more than happy to integrate us, right? Um, it's just us stepping outside of, <laughs> you know, the norm and being part of this. The other thing that we did on like day two, right, was where we went through and we talked about Digital Health 101 and we talked about all the top to have Megan Coder and Jen Goldsack, right? So the executive director of Digital Therapeutics Alliance and the executive director of the Digital Medicine Society speak on the categorization, right? You couldn't have had like a better team, right? Of kind of really kind of level setting everyone to understand and instill confidence that look, these things are getting FDA cleared, right? These are going through, you know, a level of rigor that I think was helpful, right? For the audience to understand. And then we went into a lot of the things that were very top of mind for people. The pandemic has, you know, catalyzed uh, digital health integration like never before, right? Right. I think last year, this was all people weren't kind of, you know, hmm, I wonder what this is. And it, it seemed, uh, you know, the tagline for the conference was the future is now join the conversation. But I don't think we realized how prophetic it was because we were only a few short months away from the pandemic, right? Where right. suddenly telehealth and remote patient monitoring, we went from one to 2% usage to, you know, 60, 70, 80% usage in different, different institutions. So the value of how these technologies were help us to maintain essential services was realized full on. So we talked about things like telehealth and remote monitoring and at-home diagnostics in that second day. And the third day was really where we brought it all together. And we said, okay, 
today. So how can these technologies, how are they being utilized today to augment the quality of care, the scope of care provided in traditional pharmacy practice? How are net new models of pharmacy being developed? And then also we looked at how to scale clinical pharmacy services and really looking at models that are evolving beyond the product, such as uh, when we had Yuna Kim talk from Arene, the digital pharmacy model she's got there where they're applying AI, um, data analytics. And then we really close with a look at opportunities on the horizon. And, and that's where it kind of circles back to where it all started for me, because we had right Daniel Kraft talking about 3D printing medication, and we had Adriana Kekic talking about uh, pharmacogenomics, personalized medicine, and then Kevin Sneed, the dean at uh, uh, University of South Florida, who was talking about how you know, his students are always saying, gosh, you're talking about the future, but we don't see it. And so finally, he designed a futuristic pharmacy for the students to train in. <laughs> oh, I like that. I like that a lot. And so how have people been activated? Well, individuals since the conference have come to me and said, oh, they'd like to find a job in, in this space. You know, do I know of opportunities? And, and individuals have continued to stay together. One person created an e-community of digital health enthusiasts, you know? Um, and so it seems like you know, the wheels are in motion now, right? And people are staying connected from that DHX community. Students have asked me, okay, well, how can we bring this back to our campus, you know? And I must say that it was an honor to have Lucinda Main and a couple of her Argus Commission members join us over the three days. Yeah, I was pleased. I saw Lucinda, since it was a virtual meeting, we could see who was on like in, in the chat. And I think to have her part of it and asking questions and engaged was really, really interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so she's been an example of someone who, you know, wow, I knew her back in the mid 90s when she was at APHA and she offered me a position there uh, years ago. And then now fast forward and here she's at this conference and, and, you know, we've continued to stay in touch since because she's really looking at what can we do. You know, really what we think is important to integrate this understanding of digital technologies into the core curriculum because you want to start to graduate folks who are very comfortable in this space so that they can take that into their practices. So it's been exciting to look at um, things that they're interested in doing. And then um, APHA is now interested in this year in March, we're going to have a digital health summit that I'm going to run in conjunction with our annual meeting. So definitely individuals and institutions have been catalyzed for next steps. Well, and I love that they're looking at, you know, these actions and these activities, but, you know, when you think about some of the work that Lucinda is doing related to curriculum and the schools and colleges of pharmacy and APHA having programming at their annual meeting, it's really strategic. And so, you know, how does digital health, telehealth, all of these pieces fit into the strategic plan for pharmacy and then in the broader view of healthcare? So that's some big stuff. Well, in our closing minutes, when I have guests on, I ask about, while I have you, is there one prescription or life lesson you'd like to share with others or comment on in the spirit of Melissa Rx scripts? Yes, I would say embrace the limitless potential that lies in dreaming big. And importantly, act on that dream, that vision to move beyond the status quo and contribute to society. As we've discussed today, and Melissa, as I reflect on my life, I've never hesitated to share my vision with others. It has made all the difference, really, because it's been incredible to see how I may have a spark of an idea, but when spoken, it can create or lead to a cascade of events where the vision manifests. And, you know, I'm not saying that it's easy. It takes a tremendous amount of hard work and believing in yourself and your vision, even when 
others may not really see it yet, right? It often requires a level of missionary zeal, unwavering commitment, persistence, collaboration with many, and leaving no stone unturned. But I think my key, key to what I've always done is I never give up. <laughs> yeah. uh, I've, uh, I've been known to say that I love nothing more than a blank canvas uh, for boundless ideation. Um, and I don't know, perhaps it's because I've always held on to the spirit of inquiry, beginner's mind, lifelong learning and growth. It seems that it's when I've stepped outside of the everyday routine, that was where the magic happened. Yeah, where the magic happened and moving from a blank canvas. I think there's probably not a better way to end our discussion today. This has been such a treat and you and I could keep going. I know that for sure. <laughs> so I just want to take a minute and thank you, you know, for sharing your insights with me and for spending time together. And I'm grateful that you and I have reconnected and that with the work that we've been able to do together. This is the Melissa Rx Groups podcast. To everyone listening, thanks so much. And if you want to subscribe to the show and follow me on social media, I also want to thank my producer, Kate Cruz, with Executive Podcast Solutions for, again, helping to make this beautiful magic happen. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much, Melissa. It's been an absolute pleasure. And on behalf of all of your listeners and all of those who've known you through the years, we are so grateful to you for your leadership and uh, your sage guidance through the years. So thank you. Oh, thanks, Risa. Appreciate that. That means a lot.